Welcome to the Becoming One podcast, where as the church, we learn to pursue peace in a divided world. Here is your host, Pastor Sean Wilson. Amen, amen. I'm happy to be on today on the Becoming One church website podcast, um, as it may be. Um, and today I'm going to share a short um I'm going to say exhortation or a word of encouragement for our broadcast and just kind of help us to keep focus on what is true and what should should we be doing as believers today. Um, of course, the whole thing behind becoming one church or becoming one website is that we would become one as a church. We learn to pursue peace in the midst of a divided world. Yes, that's right. I'm talking about like just the believers at this point, because I believe that our example to the world can help lead the world to our Lord and Savior, which is Jesus Christ, not just by saying something, but it's about who we are as a people and how we live on a day to day basis. Now, on every Saturday morning from seven to eight, we'll go live and hopefully we'll have some um, some nice uh, guests that will come on and help us to to navigate through this. You know, this is not a site for political debate. It is purely for edification of the believers, admonishment, meaning to warn them and also comfort to give them, you know, um, words of hope um, during this, during everything that we see that's going on. In, in today's society. And we know that there's a lot of things that are going on in this world that are very disheartening and discouraging, but it's okay. We will. Um, and then we, and we know we win. Amen. So we have the victory in Jesus name. Amen. Again, this is for believers. This is for believers, the edification of the body. And this is what I want to do. I want to share what I believe that the Lord has given me as a, uh, a gift to, um, to share the wisdom of God and is what we are called to do this in this hour. So without further ado, what I wanted to do is first of all, of course, is I want us to look at a particular scripture that um, is kind of the framework of what we're talking about today. Today is about bearing the infirmities of the week, bearing the infirmities of the week, or um, as a scripture is going to say it, bear the weaknesses of those who have no strength. So what I wanted to look at is Romans chapter 15, and we're going to read just verses one through three. And this is just like the basics of what we're talking about today. And again, it's about bearing the infirmities of the week. What are we supposed to be doing? What does that mean for believers today? What does it mean to bear the infirmities of the week? Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit, um, and hopefully it'll give us some insight on how we should treat one another as believers. So over here in Romans chapter 15, verses one through three, and again, I'm not going to preach to you. We're going to talk about this. We're going to dialogue. If you got comments or questions, by all means, put those in the comment block and we will, we will discuss those things because it is very important for us to learn how to communicate at a, a different level. Even when we have differences, we need to know how to talk to one another. I think this is one of the things that we see that's going on in the world right now is that we lack um, communication skills. Um, so, but we we must make sure that we are able to um, communicate effectively. Now, with that said, let's go over here to Romans chapter 15, verse one through three. And it says, now, now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just to please ourselves. Oh man. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but 
as it was written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Now, listen to this. First of all, I'm going to point out some things here is Christ has done something for us. He has done something for us. He gave us not only not only the gospel, not only the way to salvation, not only reconciling us unto the Father, not only expunging the guilty charge, not only those things, but he has left for us an example of what it means to have brotherly love. And this is one of the things that I want us to really focus on here on Becoming One is that, again, for those that don't know and are new to this, the channel, when I say one, the word one, of course, spelled O-N-E, and the O stands for organize. That means that we need to come together. We need to assimilate. The N means that we are to neutralize the differences, which means we should place more emphasis on what brings us together than what separates us. And then the E stands for evangelize. If we want to, if we want to go out and be uh, more effective in our ministry and our walk with Christ, we must come together, talk about it. We must have the same mind, neutralize our differences. We must evangelize the world. And in evangelizing the world is not just talking about going out, just standing on the street corner and preaching the gospel, although that is warranted and there's time and places for that. But that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how we live, how we treat one another is going to be the example that's really going to lead a lot of people to Christ. Amen. It's not just about us going out saying, um, holding a sign that says Jesus saved, not about us going out and wearing a t-shirt and say, I know Christ. That's not what's going to save people. What's going to save people is yes, not only having a message, but being a message, but living according to the gospel message, man, this is what I want us to really focus on and in heart and, um, really hit home. Um, we talk about it all the time in church about how we are supposed to be as believers. I'm going to show you something here that's going to really enlighten you. But here on in Romans 15, when it says to bear the infirmities of the week, just to give you a little bit of background in Romans 14 was something that was that was communicated that we have weak and strong people of the faith that are in the body of Christ. We have different um, levels of understanding and comprehension of the gospel message as far as what has what God has set us free from, what was the true work of Christ. So when we see that um, and just to point out in that first verse there over in Romans 14, it says now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. So when we accept weak people, we don't we don't accept them to the point that we got to argue their point. We don't argue against them. We don't even have to identify them verbally and say that you're weak and I'm strong. No, that's that's right there can also be a point of causing us to divide. But there are people with with strong faith and weak faith. Now, I'll give you an example here in verse two. It says the one person has faith that he may eat all things. And then it says, but but he who is weak eats vegetables only. Now we know we talk about the dietary laws. We're thinking about things like that. So there's people who in the body of Christ think that they are, you know, paying homage and honor to God by abstaining from certain foods. But those who are strong in the faith understand that Christ has already made and cleansed everything to be clean. And we, it's about us accepting things. Now, this is not to say that people who are vegetarians have weak faith. That's not what this is saying. What this is saying is the whole purpose of them eating the vegetables was they thought that it was something that was, that God wanted them to do to sanctify themselves in that manner. But everything we know in truth has been sanctified of the Lord, but not 
everything that is lawful for us is profitable for us. So we got to have a little bit of wisdom when it comes with understanding and sharing, you know, those types of instructions. So a weak person in the faith is a person who themselves, um, they, they still hold to certain traditional things to pay homage to God. Now, the weak person is not to, supposed to have contention or contempt against the strong and the strong is not supposed to have the same thing against the weak. We're supposed to learn how to not judge others and how we honor the Lord, but we are to honor him according to our level of understanding and be free with that. Amen. So that's what I wanted to share as it pertains to that, because that's that's just a, a powerful um, message. And um, we have to understand those things, because if we don't understand that, we can uh, we can offend our brothers. Amen. So if you if you continue to read down through there, you'll see that some people worship on the Sabbath. Some people worship every day. But God says that who can judge another man's servant according to the word? No one. So God is the one that actually has that person. He's the one that that receives them, receives their worship. This is this is a point of not judging another man's worship, how he worships God and leads his life. Some people think that they don't have to wear um, women shouldn't wear pants or I'm not cutting my hair or a woman. If, if that's what the case, if they say I'm not going to wear pants, if I'm not going to do, if that's what they're going to do for the Lord, that's up to them. It's not for me to judge how they show honor to God. That's not our responsibility. So when we talk about a person with weak faith and a person with strong faith, this is what we're communicating. We're communicating that we have to allow for people to grow at their own pace. And we, we can't force people to worship God the way we worship. I know a lot of times Sometimes people say, well, that song you singing is not honoring God and, and this and that. This, these are the things that we should not judge because God is the only judge of our worship. Amen. So this is how we come together as a body of Christ is to know that there are certain things that we are called to judge and there are certain things that we're not called to judge. How we express our worship to God is not one of those things. So I'm still explaining what the whole point of is bearing the infirmities of the week, because that's our title today. Bearing the infirmities of the week. What does that mean? So in, like I said, in Romans 14, it communicates that the weak was the one that was still participating in those traditional things as a way to show um, praise and honor unto the Lord. Um, later on in that chapter, we see where using your liberty can also be an offense to your brother. Um, Paul even mentioned before, he said if meat was to offend his brother, eating meat was to offend his brother, then he wouldn't eat it. Even though he know he had the liberty to do it, he would not do it. Why? Because he knew that it would cause an offense to his brother. His brother would stumble. So as he looked at, if you look at Romans 14, you'll see those things being communicated. Now, the whole point today, I'm not going to read through that entire chapter. I'm not going to teach that whole thing. I'm just trying to share with you the reason behind verse uh, chapter 15, verse one, where it says that we are to bear the infirmities of the week. Paul was communicating that. Why? Because at the end of Romans 14, it also says that anything that a person does that's outside of faith is considered to be sin. So if we can if we can get someone to go against what they feel in their heart and their conscience, they can actually perform the act, but be considered to be sin in the eyes of God. 
because it's not done in faith. What is faith in that sense? It means faith in truth and what they know to be true. If they don't know it to be true, even though it is true, we still have to bear the infirmities of the weak. I'm going to give you the perfect example of that. Paul always mentioned about becoming all things, all men in hopes that he might win some. But I want to show you something here. I want to show you something here and uh, we'll end with Peter. But I want to show you something here in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, there was a there was a big um, issue that had uh, erupted um, because of what was being taught. And in Acts chapter 15, we see how we are supposed to um, work through our differences in understanding. What was happening was there was a message that was sent that everyone had to follow the laws of Moses in order to be saved. Well, Paul and Barnabas were sent back because they said, this is not true. Someone came down to where they were and shared this message. This is not true. Let's go back to the Jerusalem and let's go talk about this. So they went back to Jerusalem. They went to talk about it. And as they communicated and talked about it, um, there was a debate that erupted that you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. Now, there's a point that I'm saying it is that you do not have to be circumcised in order to be saved. So why is this so important? It's important because in chapter 16, Paul takes um, Timothy to. He says he told him to get circumcised. So when we see that. You're like, man, wait a minute. Why did why did Paul tell him to be circumcised if you didn't have to be circumcised? Well, that's what I want to point to. Let's look at this real quick, just quickly. It says and actually, I'm just going to read verse three. I'm just going to. Well. Let's read one through three. It says Paul came also to debris and Lystra and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer but his father was a Greek and he was well spoken, spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra in Iconium. In verse three, this is the kicker. This is what I want you to understand in here is Paul wanted this man to go with him and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So the whole purpose of the circumcision of Timothy was not for salvation, but for the sake of the brothers in, in those parts that they was going through because they knew his background. They did not want to offend their brother. So if you want to know what it means to bear the infirmities of the weak, it's to do things for the sake of the other person's conscience. He didn't want that to be a barrier with sharing the gospel. And this is what we wanted to we need to understand when it comes to um, what does it mean to bear the infirmities of the weak? I may have the liberty to do something, but it doesn't necessarily mean I need to do it. Now, what does that mean today? Well, we could look at the situation with the mask. There's many believers that's walking around and say we don't need to wear masks. Um, have your faith in God. People that have masks on have fear. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes bearing the infirmities of the weak, if you consider the person with the mask weak, why aren't you just wearing your mask? I mean, this is this is what it would look like, right? If we were to actually say that this person is weak, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to do this for them. So remember, when we talked about this in um, when we first started, in Romans 15, it says in verse two, each of us is to place his neighbor 
please his neighbor for his good to his edification. Now, what does this mean? His edification for his building. How can we criticize people for being weak, but at the same time say we love them and Christ is we, I mean, and we, we're for Christ. Where do we start to exercise the love besides just communicating? I love you. There's a big, big difference. Communicating one person that I love you versus a person who says um, who exercises love is totally different. There's a lot of people who tell you they love you, but they will not bear the infirmities of the weak. They will not do things in a sacrificial sense for another person. And this is what we this is what we lack in the church. This is what we lack when we talk about coming, becoming one and becoming one together. We lack the sacrificial love for the other. The book of Philippians tells us to esteem our brothers above ourselves. That means that we place place them above ourselves, but that's not what is communicated a lot of times in church and it causes separation. So what we want to do is we want to remember in order for us to become one. And, and if we're if we're spiritually strong, then what we need to do is we really need to do what it takes to edify our brother, do what it takes not to offend them. I'm going to go through a, a, a bunch of scriptures. I kind of went through real fast on this. one. We'll talk about it a little bit later because we're going to have other people here and we're going to discuss this together because there are si- real situ- serious issues and situations that's going on in society that has infiltra- infiltrated the church and caused the church to disperse and separate on things that are not even biblically required. And then we judge people in the wrong way. And we really have to clean this up because for the main reason, people are watching us. They look and see how believers are treating one another. Right now, if you look out in the world and someone says they're a Christian, you wouldn't even you would be like, man, they I don't they look just like the world does. They argue and fight over the same thing they the people in the world fight over. The same thing. They don't act like that they have a savior that's that owns everything. They don't act that same way. They act like the world acts. They fight over the same things. They they want the same thing. They long for the same things. Matter of fact, what what in First John says is that we should not love the world. It's like they they love the same things that the world loves. They want the same things that the world wants. We have to be the example, brothers and sisters. That's all I'm saying. This is one of the reasons we we really want to push this out there. We want to get people involved. We want to share the message that's going to unify the church. We want to quit the division. I mean, and of course, we cannot fix everything. But if we can if we can get the truth to people to where we can share the message to where relationships are starting to mend and believers are starting to grow and be edified. That's all the satisfaction we need. It may be four people, five people that hear this message. But if those out of those four or five people, one person changes their mind about how they treat another people. One person considers their brother greater than another. I look at it as a victory. And that's what I wanted to share today is I I want us to have the victory in truth. I'm going to share one other thing here and I'm going to close this out because I don't want to go too long um, because I know people will not watch a lengthy video. Um, and I'm not trying to preach to you. I really want to dialogue with people um, and bring people in and, and have us all converse together. Um, but I want us to look at first Peter chapter two, verse 11 and 12. And this kind of sums up what I've been communicating about us becoming one church, because it's not about what we say. It's about what we do as a people. So here here's what it says. Beloved, 
I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the things in which they slander you as evildoers, they may become because of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. To sum that up, brothers and sisters, it means when people see us and they see the example that we lead, it has the potential to point them to Christ. I'll give you an example of something else. If you saw a guy who was fat and he was telling you about losing weight and he has never lost weight, would you listen to that person? Testimonies are important and testimonies only come through hard work, perseverance, endurance, and, and humility, persistency, consistency, things along that lines. When we get that testimony, that testimony is powerful because people will gravitate to the testimony. I want this to happen to me. But if, if the world is not looking at us and saying, I want that to happen to me, we should think twice about what we're doing and what we're saying. We can't just share anything on social media. We got to think about what we say. We can't be partial in judgments. That mean, I can't pick one side and hold to this side. I have to pick the Lord's side. It's not the left. It's not the right, but it's what's right. It's what the Lord says according to his word. And that's what I wanted to share today was that people are watching. And as we learn to bear the infirmities of the weak, even in the body of Christ, as we come together and start loving one another, then we can win the world. But it all starts at home. Everything starts at home. That's what I really want us to understand. Everything begins and starts in the house. A kingdom divided cannot stand. What is that kingdom? The kingdom is the body of Christ in this sense. We have to be of one mind. We have to be of one accord. We must judge things in the same way. We must seek, we must come to learn one another as brothers and sisters. We must talk to one another and communicate. We must not pass truths or things that we perceive to be true based off speculation. We must make righteous judgments. Amen. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we get caught up in all of these things that's going on in the world and we start judging the world the way that the world judges people. And that is not the way that the Lord has told us to judge people. We are to pray for all leaders. And I, I've been saying this for the last, I think, since I've been saved. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. It doesn't matter who's in leadership. Then you have a responsibility as a believer to honor them. As a matter of fact, if you continue to read in that same chapter of Peter and you do this in your own time, if you read first Peter chapter two, verse 13 through 20, you will find out that it tells us to honor all leaders, period. And I know this sounds as strange to the world, but it should not sound strange to those who are in the word because it's not new. It says, even in fact, it says, if the ruler is, um, 
unreasonable. Even if they're unreasonable, we are supposed to still do what we're supposed to do. We pray for all leaders. We intercede on behalf of all leaders. We don't place one up above the other because God is the one that places people in position. I have to honor all parents, although I have my own parents, but I honor them because God appointed all parents. We have to understand this. We have to really um, get to the point where we can receive the truth, obey it and start exercising it. So with that said, I want to keep you any longer, but I'm glad to be here to share this. But Saturdays will be our day. Saturdays will be our day from seven to eight in the morning. I will have guests. We'll talk about marriage. We'll talk about all these things about what we're supposed to do. Oh, man, we have some, some great topics of discussion. And a lot of it is based on things that we experienced in ministry here in Mid Missouri. Um, as my wife and I have uh, pastored the church. Amen. She is. Um, the one who strengthens me and encourages me through all these things. We stretch and encourage one another um, as we serve the people of God. Um, as you notice, I said we serve the people of God. So um, we got a lot of topics and things that we're going to talk about that's going to help us to understand, you know, what what is the um, what, what are we supposed to be doing in this hour? What are we supposed to be doing in this day? Very, very important. So I wanted to share that today. Um, and I want us to just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. In order to become one, we got to organize. We got to neutralize. We got to evangelize. Yes. Amen. And guess what? People are watching us. They're looking at our example. And it all starts in the house. And why? Because we're going to learn to bear the infirmities of the week. We're going to learn to extend that love and that that. Um, that patience, the fruit of the spirit. We'll get into all that later. We're going to have to learn how to extend those things to the to our brothers and sisters in honoring God. So with that said, have a great and wonderful day. God bless you. I pray that you have a blessed week. And until next week on the Becoming One Church, we we desire that you would connect with us, like and share our page on Facebook and YouTube. We'll also upload this as a podcast if you miss anything and you want to listen to it as you're driving. Um, but again, we're here to encourage. We're not here for theological debates, but we're here for problem. We're problem solvers. We're, when we don't create contention, we're trying to create a peaceful environment to where people can learn and grow together so that we can become the vessels of honor that the Lord has designed us to do, to be those that do the performing the good works unto Christ. So until next week, next Saturday from seven to 8 a.m. Central Standard Time, we will have our guests and I have one of my brothers on in Christ and we will talk about some things next week that's going to really encourage you. And also um, it's going to be some things that that may not have been planned that's going to talk about because if, if we have questions, we're going to address those questions. So God bless you. Have a great and wonderful day and be blessed. Thank you for joining us today on the Becoming One podcast. We request that you please like, share, and subscribe to our station, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. Remember, to pursue peace in a divided world, we the church must organize, neutralize, and evangelize. Let's become one.